And that is what Ellen Road sounded like the last time I was there. I recorded that little snippet of sound somewhere in the waning moments of the first half, when the score was level with Manchester City, and it felt momentarily that Marsh and his men could actually press and fight their way into beating another Premier League giant. But then Rodri scored in stoppage time of that half, and coming out for the second, Erling Holland scored twice. Pascal Stroik pulled one back, but there were no late heroics beyond it. I remember distinctly Marsh talking about the road ahead in the press room following that loss. He was a man reasoning with the crowd of the unconvinced, knowing he needed wins. The death of the Queen in September and the World Cup, which started in November, had split the season twice already with two long pauses, and Marsh entered his third and final act as this season's manager in 14th place that night. Not terrible, but he never found those wins, and left the club in 17th place last week. But anyway, time moves fast, and Marsh moved on. Almost. In the span of a week, Marsh not only lost his jobs at Leeds United, but by all indications and reports, he seems to be taking one at Southampton, who will reside dead last in the table, having just sacked Nathan Jones. In the meantime, Leeds sit just north of the relegation zone, hovering in precarious safety upon a hair's breadth. They have not found a replacement manager, and don't seem to be finding one anytime soon. Listeners very likely don't need to be told this, but for the sake of emphasis, there's a few prominent Americans in that squad, and if you're tracking the fate of U.S. national team players abroad, your interests and likely emotion remain inextricably linked to Leeds over the next few months. It might become more tense than any of us would like. For this episode of The Swan Dive, I invited the senior editor of SBI Soccer, Larry Henry Jr., to join me. Larry is an exceptionally dedicated Jersey-based reporter that tracks every minutia of Americans abroad. We'll spend some time talking about Leeds United and Jesse Marsh, but we'll pivot enthusiastically to other Americans abroad, focusing for now in particular on the ones Anthony Hudson the interim manager of the national team, and his assistant, BJ Callahan, are visiting now. If you make it until the end of this podcast episode, you will even get to hear why Larry thinks Greg Berhalter deserves another shot. If you're not already, head to swandive.substack.com and make sure that you are subscribed. If you enjoy this episode, perhaps you'll consider sharing it with a friend. Before we bring in Larry and dig into leads... Here's another short clip I recorded at Ellen Road, this one from my first visit, which was also the first match of the season when they hosted Wolves back in August. I do believe that makes the following the first rendition of Marching On Together of the season. Skeptics aside, hopes were high, relatively. Minds were open, relatively. Starting with a win at home is a grand way to start a new project, though it was one of just four wins Marsh would muster before departing. Anyway, here's Ellen Road.
Leeds is on the brink of relegation at the minute. And they've fired Jesse Marsh this past week, I think a week ago today. My first question, is that the right call for Leeds getting rid of Jesse? Uh, it's tough because, I mean, there's going to be a little bias there because, you know, we, we cover the national team. We we, we want to see the American players and coaches succeed overseas. And, um, and Jesse did a great job at keeping them up when – a lot of people, maybe even a lot of the fan base, didn't think he would because of what Marcelo Bielsa did. Obviously, like a club legend there, just for getting him back into the Premier League after so long. Uh, historic club, historic stadium, a lot of great players to come through the ranks there. And um, so I was kind of shocked by it because I thought Jesse maybe deserved a little more time. Obviously, it's maybe not panic mood yet because we're still in February. There's still a lot of games to be played. They have two crucial ones now coming up against Everton and Southampton who are, you know, right behind them in the standings. Um, the man United back to back was always going to be tough to really get anything out of. So I'm, I'm pretty shocked. They even got the, the one point at, at old Trafford when maybe they could have could have got the three um, getting that early lead. But yeah, I was shocked by it because I thought Jesse, you know, again, brought in a lot of players in the January window um, you know, obviously Weston McKinney, you know, the one we're most familiar with, with the national team. Um, but he brought in some attacking help, brought in some defensive help as well, and then really didn't get a chance to, to work with those guys. I think they, I think they brought in three guys, four guys, and then McKinney, I don't think what he only worked with him for a game. So yeah, a game, right? Yeah. And, and a game he substituted into, so not, they were still easing him in. Right. So it's like, you know, um, it, it's got to be tough now, I think, maybe for the club aspect, because, you know, these are guys that maybe Jesse targeted and thought that they could help the team, you know, tactics wise, you know, McKinney, we know what he can do pairing up with Tyler Adams, um, the attacking and defending defensive help. They also added, you know, you know, maybe fit that mold that they wanted to play. And then now, you know, you don't know who's going to be the next manager um, going forward for them. So, um, yeah, a little disappointed. Maybe they're they're worried. Uh, maybe they're taking that early kind of chase to to find a new manager. Obviously, last year Jesse came in um, near the tail end of the season and saved them. So maybe they want to try to to go a different route and try to maybe they pick up back to back wins here and they're sitting pretty good going into that the the late stages of the season. But yeah, I was kind of disappointed by it. And obviously now I'm sure you've seen with Jesse being linked with Southampton now. Which I'm hugely in favor of. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that move to Southampton. And and just full disclosure, I'm in favor of it simply for curiosity and wanting to see how he does then traveling to Leeds to play Leeds in, in two weeks. The redemption arc is very enticing. And yeah, I've had my critiques of Jesse and, and still have them, but I'd like to see how he would do with another club. I did see you tweet, and it's a reasonable take, but I want to hear more. But you said something along the lines of who would want this job, the Southampton position. So talk to me about the position that they're in and whether or not Jesse should take it. Why Why would he take that job? It, it's tough because I think that, you know, Leeds firing Jesse and then Jesse now obviously linked with Southampton. I mean, I know both teams aren't racking up the stats at all, but you – Maybe would have thought that I know Leeds is a bit of, uh, you know, they're a different animal in the way where they can score some, they can score some goals. They, they, they have some chances, um, but then they're also kind of pretty poor at the back where um, Southampton is kind of the, the same animal, but you don't, you know I mean? You don't really, I'm more worried if I'm an opposing team, I'm maybe more worried when you play a Leeds United compared to Southampton, like Southampton, and it's no knock to them. It's just that I just don't think they've done enough this season bringing players in. You know, they've they've already fired, uh, you know, Ralph Hasenhutel, and then they fired Nathan Jones. And Nathan Jones really didn't have much of a – really tons of time with them. I mean, I, the most impressive win was beating Man City in the League Cup. And, uh, you know, other than that, they, they didn't really, you know, do too, too much in, in the league. I know they beat Everton, but, again, Everton's right near them as well. So – I just think that with this Southampton team, right, you have, you know, 18 goals scored, so 0.8 per game um, offensive-wise. Defensively, you know, 40 goals against, so they're minus 22 goal difference. They're um, they're actually better on the road than they are at home, which is surprising because 
um, the years they've been in the Premier League, you know, watching a, a game on TV at, at St. Mary's seems always seems like a great atmosphere, um, usually a great crowd, but they only have one win uh, out of 11 at home, which is, which is worrying. Um, and then when you look at the roster, there, there's guys on there that, that have talent. You know, James Ward-Prowse is the lead guy there. You know what he can do on free kicks. Um, you know, he's got five goals, but the attacking guys are, are, are worrying because, you know, Che Adams is, is a guy that, uh, I think could be a double digit scorer if he gets the chances. You know, they brought in Joe Arebo last summer. Um, he from Rangers, uh, big money signing. He hasn't really lived up to potential, only two goals. Uh, you know, Adam Armstrong was another guy. He's only got one goal. So it, it's worrying. And, and I just don't know that. I feel that Jesse would have had obviously better attacking options with leads than he does with this team. And, um, you know, Southampton and, and, and who knows, maybe he, maybe he does go there and they stay up. But, uh, I just, when I look at Southampton, there's nothing that really where, you know, would worry me as an opposing team. Is it the style of play? I mean, they have a similar, similar style <coughs> of play to Leeds. Is it a roster construction issue for, for Leeds and for Southampton? Because they seem to have, and correct me if you disagree, but to me, they seem to have similar issues, you know, theoretically talent, but an inability to actually score. They're both playing uh, an aggressive pressing style. They're both at the bottom of the pack. And I agree with you. I think leads, if you're playing leads, you would, I don't know if take them more seriously is the right way to put it. But what exactly is going wrong with these teams? Is is it just the talent of the roster? Is it the style and the and the tactics? Is it the manager? Yeah, it, 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 I think it's honestly just a mixture of things because, like like I said, when you look at Southampton, like there's quality in this squad. Um, when you look at, you know, Che Adams and James Ward-Prowse has been there, um, you know, kind of forever. You know, he's 28 years old. He's been there a long time. And then you got, you know, Che Adams, Adam Armstrong, guys that are, you know, in, in, in the primes of their career, 26 years old, uh, Stuart Armstrong's 30, you know, he, he's kind of getting older now, but you know, there's, there's quality in the squad. It's just, uh, I don't know if it's just, uh, you know, how they, how they set the team up. If it's just yet, yeah, like you said, they both play pressing systems. Um, maybe leads gives you a little bit more of an X factor. Cause when you look at those young, kind of young, younger attackers that they can bring off the bench, um, that can make something happen. Uh, it, it's tough. Um, I, I just, when I look at Southampton, it's just like, you know, kind of like where are the goals going to come from? And, and you would think they would come from a couple of these guys, but they, they just haven't. And I don't know if it's just a, um, just a lack of confidence right now. Cause obviously being around the bottom of the, you know, the bottom three, bottom four, bottom five of the table for most of the season, isn't really going to help your confidence, but you know, the, this team's been up for several several seasons now so you kind of get a little bit worried that doubt maybe comes in the back of your mind like okay we really got to get things going here you know we can't just win one you know we can't get one game and then um you know then go four months without another win um so it it's interesting to see them in this situation because obviously last year they had some you know some better success against some of the bigger teams and um had some some better options maybe offensively um, and then with, you know, with leads, it's kind of like they both, both teams, you know, concede a lot of goals, but maybe, you know, again, maybe you get a little worried. You're the opposing team. When you play a leads, you go to Ellen road, you know, it's going to be crazy. You know, the fans are going to be on you, um, you know, giving you a tough time and, and, you know, that quality off the bench, you know, and I look at it, I, I'm, I'm worried if, if I'm an opposing defender, I'm, I'm worried about those guys for leads coming off the bench more than I am Southampton. Leeds treating you well? Yeah, it's good. I'm really liking it. Really. They're very exciting games to watch. They are exciting games to watch. You've got us highly entertained. We definitely don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at the group, I think. you got Wales, you got England, you got Iran, or Iran. And I think that those three teams are super physical, you know? And I think that since I've been playing in the Premier League, I've had to deal with a lot of, I mean, I, I walk out in the tunnel sometimes, I'm looking up to some of these guys, and I'm like, I know the one guy from Wales, he's gigantic in person, you know, and it's, it's crazy, but week in and week out, it's making me stronger, and I feel like I can deal with the, the physicality. Yeah, I feel like I feel like I'm wrong about that, and yeah, it's, it's good. Was there any moment at all when you, when you started your career in England where you thought, oh, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I definitely have to pick what battles I go into. You know, I can't just go up into like this keep yeah, more guy yeah. and get I would get destroyed by him. You know, but uh, yeah, just definitely thinking more than, than going in physical battles. You know, and, and finding the right spots and, and being able to turn and not get touched by some of these guys. But even when I am in the physical battles, I've been trying to lift as much as I can and get bigger in the gym. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like it, but <laughs> I am trying. I want to ask you about Brendan Aronson, who, uh, you know, you've been tracking journalistically since his time in, in Philadelphia. He he has seemed to me to have a bit of a meteoric rise, you know, coming through the academy, breaking out with the union, getting over to Europe, doing really well in Salzburg, and then Jesse bringing him to Leeds. He had a really strong start to the season, in my opinion, was doing really well with the things we expect from him, aggression. Miles covered the pressing. He also was, you know, responsible for a lot of chances created for Leeds early on. He seems to have hit a bit of a rough patch. He didn't play very much in the World Cup. And his more recent appearances for Leeds, he struggled a bit, I think in particular, when it comes to the physicality factor. Can you talk about Brendan? How's he doing in the Premier League? And, and what do you what do we need to see from him? Yeah, it's been been a tough go for him since the World Cup. You you know you hit it on the head. He didn't really play too much at the World Cup, which was kind of surprising because we all know what he's capable of. There's always that argument. I think there was a probably a big one going into the World Cup with you know obviously having him, Giorena, and, and Christian Pulisic, and, and Tim Weah, and which guy is going to be on the wing, which guy is going to be in midfield. You know, guys can be you know moved around so much, and um, it, it's been a tough go for him because I think. You know, like you said, the the physicality might be getting to him a little bit. You know, he's going to be he's a guy that, you know, puts himself kind of in those situations where, you know, you might drop deep to get the ball. You want to make a play. You want to hold on to it, win some fouls. But, you know, might catch up to you in the end in terms of, you know, injuries and stuff like that. So he's been he's been uh, obviously, you know, that the first probably couple months, you know, we saw him. Um, at his best so far for Leeds, you know, pressing, forcing errors. Obviously, that uh, that uh, that goal against Chelsea, the Chelsea game, obviously stands out. You know, pestering Edward Mendy in, in goal. But you know, it seems like right now it's just it, it hasn't helped him now that that Leeds are obviously in that position where they're at because you know if you're tenth in the table and you you have a guy like him who needs some confidence needs some form you know maybe you do play him more in a starting role but now with the team just sitting outside the relegation zone uh every point's crucial and they got some big games coming up so uh, and and maybe you can't take that chance with him and starting him um knowing that you know you need a good performance out of your midfield you need some uh, attacking chances because they haven't really had all that much in, in terms of uh, in that consistently in the league compared to like the FA Cup and, and the domestic cup. So I'm curious to see how it goes with him. Obviously, we've heard the, the interim boss. Obviously, I, I wrote a piece about his, his opinions on Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams working together. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, if, if, if Brendan Aronson could get his name back into those uh, press, press conferences because obviously he's talented. He, he's a great player. Um, does so many things right with and without the ball. Um, but, you know, I think it's just going to take one little uh, one little thing for him to get going again. And uh, But like I said, obviously the games are crucial right now for Leeds. They got some big games coming up. They have the FA Cup fifth round at Fulham at the end of the month, so that just adds another game into a busy schedule. Um, maybe that could be the game pending, you know, if, if he you know could get the start in that or – um, delivers a good performance in the next two games against Everton and Southampton. But yeah, I'm, I'm just really, you know, would like to obviously like to see him get back to his best and, um, you know, get that confidence back up. And I think with him, right. And, and you saw it when he was with the union and all, you know, I think once he gets going and he gets a goal or he gets an assist or he puts in a, a really good 90 minute performance, create, creating chances. I think that's just going to be kind of the skyrocket that gets him going, get that's the spark that's going to get him going. And uh, could be crucial, obviously, you know, with Leeds uh, where they're at. Yeah, I think that he could use a spark of confidence and he will hit a stride once once that clicks. I loved it. I mean, I played at my club, you know, I love being in the middle. Uh, I'm not an, 
balling out winger. You know, I'm an inverted winger, but tonight I think it showed you know, that I can play in these spaces and I can turn, I can create the game. And maybe I might be the worker sometimes, but I have this creative side that people don't normally see. You know, and maybe they don't watch the Salzburg games as much. But yeah, yeah. I mean, for defensively for me, it's about being physical, and it's going to continue to work on my physicality. You know, but I think I won some, a lot of challenges tonight. I think I did my job defensively, and maybe it's not winning challenges. Maybe it's not doing that kind of thing. But maybe it's getting the shape defensively, not letting them go through you, not letting passing lanes, you know, that kind of thing. Tyler Adams has just had an incredible season, an incredible year with the national team. How about Weston, though? He's he's played three total matches in the Premier League. One, he substituted into the only match he played with Jesse Marsh. He started both of the matches against Manchester United, picked up a yellow in, in both. What's your read on Weston's transition to the Premier League? Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously he's he's obviously was linked there for a long time. I thought his playing style suited the Premier League. You know, it, obviously it, it depended on where he would go, right? Because there were so many teams uh, linked with him, Tottenham, Aston Villa, even Southampton, I think at one point. It was like every week it was a new team being linked with him. And I, I think he fits the Premier League style great because he's aggressive. Um, you know, he's similar to Tyler Adams in the fact that they – they can cover ground. They can they can race around the field. They'll pressure you. They're aggressive. They you know obviously they'll get a yellow card every now and then. But overall, they cover a lot of ground in front of the back line. You know, recently you've seen them paired together. I think Mark Roca's you know dropped to the bench and now has kind of had a little bit of an injury. So that actually helps Weston McKinney because now he's going right into the starting lineup um, with Tyler Adams. But I think he's done okay. I know. Um, I think it was the first game, the first Man U game. I remember, you know, I always usually try to get the stats out on, on everyone's performances that stand out. And I remember, you know, getting maybe a couple messages from the Leeds fans after like, oh, you know, we don't we don't think he was great in this area, but we think he was better. We, we see a lot of, you know, obviously promise in him. And, and you know, he's a guy that's going to lay it all on, all on for the crest and, and try to do everything he can to keep them up. And then who knows if they stay up, you know, maybe win a, a get a permanent move there in the in the summer. But uh, I think he's definitely a Leeds United player in terms of, you know, what he's going to do, what he's going to bring for 90 minutes. And I think we'll still see him, you know, maybe get to another level over the next couple months with them, try to help them get up the standings. But overall, I think it was a, obviously a, a win-win in terms of both parties. Him getting uh, a move from Juventus, getting, you know, his first taste of Premier League, uh, action and Leeds United getting a, a you know midfield help that they you know desperately needed. Is Leeds going to stay up or are they getting relegated? I think they're going to stay up. I I do. I think they you know it's something about them. They have that X factor maybe where you know even like I'm a you know you you probably know I'm a Man City fan and stuff and um, even when we had to go there and I think you were there that game right and yeah Erling Holland back in Leeds and. Um, yeah. And I was, and you know, that that's just me. Maybe I'm worried sometimes because I know we're capable of, of coughing up a game here and there. But, uh, you know, I was even worried because, you know, Leeds United, when the big teams come down on road, you're going to get the best from Leeds United for 90 minutes. They're going to pressure you. They're going to make things hard. I mean, man, it, you know, it took Man U until past the 80th minute the other on Sunday to, to score. So, uh, and that's a team that's, you know, clicking on all cylinders right now. So, um yeah, I think they're going to stay up. Uh, you know, I've, I've looked at the, the table several times. I, I think it's going to be, uh, if I had to give my pick, it's going to be Saints, Nottingham Forest, and Everton. I think they're Nottingham the... Forest. They've changed my mind recently. That's interesting. You think they're gonna they're gonna get relegated? I, I think they will. Um, and and don't I mean I think they've had a good season in terms of. You know they're they're back and um, the, that historic club's back in the in the, the stadium in the Premier League and all. But overall, I just you know I, again it's like a Southampton thing. Like when I look yeah. at the roster, that there's not yeah. a lot of people that scare me. Like Brennan Johnson, obviously great young talent. But they, you know, how many people did they bring in? Wasn't it like twenty players over the past? Like they've brought in an insane number of players. Yeah, so I, I think they're gonna. I mean, I know right now they're sitting pretty good, six points clear. But you know, obviously there's gonna be some big games for them. I think Bournemouth will maybe find a way to get out of it, um, sneak out of it uh, at the tail end of the season. And 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 again too, you know, everyone's crammed in the last 
uh, six, seven spots, you know, by a couple points. So there's going to be a lot of six pointers coming up in the next few weeks. Like we said, with Everton Leeds, Leeds Southampton, you know, Forrest is going to have some, some big games. And um, again, that's a team that's not really scoring that many goals as well. So, um, and that's the thing too, you know, you got to be, you know, you always want to be scoring goals, but this time of the season, you really want to be scoring uh, goals like Everton, you know, shut out today, you know, who's going to score for them leads, who's going to score for them. But overall, I think, you know, leads mindset will help them stay up. Anthony Hudson is taking an exciting tour of Europe. How much are you reading into where he's decided to go and who he's decided to go see? Yeah, I think it's pretty cool, to be honest, because, you know, I, it was funny because I didn't I think I read the announcement uh, or got the email, you know, from U.S. Soccer, like right after I had tweeted something about um, going into the weekend schedule. And uh, and then I had to like quickly go and edit, you know, what I said, because I think it was like that Friday he was going to see Daryl DK and Austin trustee in the championship. And uh, so overall, I think it's a, you know, you know, obviously we saw Greg Berhalter take those types of tours going uh, to Europe and, you know, spreading, spreading around the, uh, the coaching staff to see people for all. But I think there are some guys um, on that trip that, you know, definitely we could maybe be seeing in the, in the, I don't know, you know, maybe the nation's league will, you know, uh, every time I want to rule somebody out of the nation's league, they'll, they'll bring somebody in. Yeah. So we saw trusty. Uh, he saw know, trusty DK. against DK. Yeah. So two birds in one stone, Austin trusty and Daryl DK are two guys on the periphery, I think who could break in. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he went to see them. And I think that his assistant is staying. His assistant is with him, BJ Callahan, and he's staying after Anthony leaves and he's going to go see both of them again, a second time, those two in particular. So I do wonder, are we going to see Trusty and are we going to see DK? No, I'm uh, been, been a big fan of Austin Trusty this season. Uh, I think he's had a great loan spell from Arsenal, like, you know, making that move obviously to Arsenal um, is going to be tough for any player, you know, not only the U.S. players, but any player to try to get in and crack the first team squad. And then now you look at how amazing they're doing, you know, leading the Premier League table um, into the next round of the Europa League. You know, they've had a great season. So it's going to be tough for Austin Trusty, but I think he's really acclimated himself nicely to the English game. You know, John Eustace, the manager there, I've, I, you know, I've written some things about him, just what he's been saying. And there's a lot of praise for him. And it's something, it sounds like they want to try to get him on a permanent deal at the end of the loan. I mean, I don't know if that's something that Austin tr- Trusty wants, but. I mean, my, I'm an Arsenal player, so my main goal is to get to Arsenal. Um, and then that's the, that's the only mindset I have. And that's the only focus I have right now. So. Um, you know, again, uh, with, with Arsenal where they're at, with so many center backs there, you know, Arsenal's a team in the past that, you know, they brought players in, you know, on transfers and then loaned them out a year or two later because there's just so many guys in the mix there. The competition's high. Uh, Trusty's done a great job. I think it's five goals now in the in the championship this season, you know, including the stoppage time winner against Swansea, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Um, so I think he's had a great season. They're, they're above the relegation zone by a nice margin right now. So that's obviously probably first on his mind is trying to keep them from getting away from the relegation zone. Five, four, five, six games ago, we were fighting for playoffs. Yeah. So like, the league is so tight. And if you like lose one game, then you down the 18th. If you win one game, then you're in second place. Like this league is so tight. That's why I was saying that like, every game matters. Mm-hmm. Because every game like truly matters, especially in this league. Like people are tired, people are losing. If you lose a game, then you can drop down like ten spots. If you win a game, you're back up fifteen spots. You know. Um, and I think it's a guy that could definitely help the national team. You know, we're you've written about it. I've written about it. You know, there's a lot of center backs in the pool. Uh, and then DK is an, another intriguing story because obviously we saw him. Um, you know, when he first went to England with Barnsley, scored a bunch of goals there, got them kind of in that uh, that promotion race um, that season. And then, you know, obviously the injuries, you know, you never want to see anyone get injured. And, and he was out for a long time with West Brom. I don't think you'll ever know if you solved it. I think obviously I can go and say those injuries. I could say, oh, they happened for this reason or, oh, I wasn't doing this or stuff like that. Or I could say, oh, I'm just I was just unlucky. But I think now with 
you know, reaching out to different people. Obviously, the national team's helped me. People here have helped me. People, you know, across England and even the States have helped me. Even when I went to Spain, people have helped me. And, you know, taking in different ideas, different things I could do in the gym, different things I can, uh, you know, maybe eating-wise, maybe sleeping-wise, maybe different, uh, like, see an osteopath and things like that. And having different tools is... Because at the end of the day, I don't think it's one thing that why I was getting injured. Um, I, w- I really wanted to see him kind of under Steve Bruce and see what he could do long-term. And, and we didn't get to see that because... You know, he was injured and Steve Bruce unfortunately got fired because the team was struggling. But uh, but he's back. He's playing now. Obviously, they're they're trying to get into the promotion picture in the playoffs. You're 10th in the table at the minute, I, I believe. What are the goals that, as a team? What do you guys think you can achieve? For us, uh, we look at the squad. We look at what we've done. I mean, we want to get promoted. I think that's the, you know, that's the goal. You always want to shoot and shoot for the highest, have the highest goals and to keep climbing up the table and to see how much we've transformed at the beginning of the year, seeing how we can compete against every single team, whether it be a five in the back, four in the back, three in the back, you know, someone at the bottom of the table who might be, you know, more aggressive, more pressing wise versus someone at the top of the table who, you know, they might have some more position, you know, being able to compete against all those different types of styles of play are things that for us have shown us that we can compete, that we can be at the top of the level and we can, you know, be in the Premier League next year, which is what we want to, what we want to do ultimately. And I think we have the squad. I think we have the coaching staff. We have, you know, the fan base. Everything to continue driving us to that goal. I think uh, you know he, he could definitely help. He's a physical striker. Another another physical striker the U.S. could use. We've seen him in the past. So um, there's there's a lot of guys. I think this season, you know, not only those two, but. Some other guys, maybe, you know, maybe not the big name guys, but other guys that have had really good seasons that that we're not even, you know, we haven't talked about that um, maybe deserve a shot in March in the Nations League. If you could name three of the those guys, the ones we're not talking about, who you think deserve a shot in March, who, who would you name first? Starting off, uh, I think number one, um, I'd go Taylor Booth um, with FC Utrecht in the in the Netherlands. He's he's really had a nice season for them. You know, making that move uh, last summer from from Bayern uh, Munich. Obviously, it's it's always going to be tough for any young player to get into the Bayern first team. But you know, he played with Bayern too, and then he gets the move. Uh, to the Netherlands, he, he's had a really good season for Utrecht, playing in a bunch of different you know roles for them, playing as kind of attacking mid and also as a as a winger at times. We actually saw him in the the January camp of uh, 2022, you know, with a lot of the MLS guys. You know, 21 years old, still has a bright future. You know, two goals and three assists in 16 games in in the Netherlands definitely could be a guy that you start maybe kind of acclimating into that first team squad and, and get him familiarized with it second would we, we we've touched on Austin trusty and, and second I'm going to go with uh, a guy who's obviously been in in the squad before but you know has kind of been in and out over the last year and that's Mark McKenzie uh, I think he's had a, a really good season with Gank in Belgium um, you know, they're still, you know, trying to win the championship there in the Belgian Pro League. Um, you know, he's been Mr. You know, reliable for them in terms of playing uh, every week. Uh, you know, obviously some some offseason moves last summer kind of opened the door for him and, and he's jumped right into a starting role and and, and really uh, excelled for them this season. And I think still obviously has a, a bright future with the national team and and, and plays that center back position where, you know, whether it's uh, Anthony Hudson or whoever becomes the coach down the road, you know, they're going to want to find who's going to be their starting center back for the long term. And I think McKenzie's a guy who, you know, obviously did well with the Philadelphia Union, came through the ranks, earned a big move to gank, and now is kind of reaping the rewards of, you know, those early moments where maybe he wasn't playing as much and now he's playing a lot more. You're starting every game now, but you weren't previously. Can you talk about that journey? How were you able to work your way into that position? Yeah, it wasn't easy. Uh, I think ultimately it was just about taking it one day at a time. Uh, as footballers, you know, we can sometimes get ahead of ourselves and think about long term, but you know, I really focused on this season really being present, being in the moment, uh, understanding my role, and, and going out there each and every day in the training session and showing why I should be on the pitch, because um, that's all you can control, really. I used this summer, you know, really to kind of ball up, you know, the last last season and a half and, and kind of get back to me. You know, I feel like I showed moments of my game, but, you know, I didn't do it consistently. And, okay. you know, that comes with form and that comes with trust. 
okay. uh, on, on all aspects. So, uh, yeah, this season, just really focusing on that, being present, trying to you know, boost the team, uh, but also showcase what I can do at the same time. Uh, the third third guy would be uh, – it's tough. I'm trying to think because everyone I wanted to probably put in that spot is either hurt or dealing with a, an injury or something. Because Ian Harks would be, would have been a guy before mm. he got hurt that I think – you know, I know he's a little on the – the uh you know a little older than some of the other guys I mentioned but Ian Harks has I think done exceptionally well uh, with Dundee United and and they're having a a tough season trying to stay in the premiership and and now Ian Harks is hurt but I think was a guy who you know again has a lot of uh you know range in the midfield really aggressive midfielder and I think maybe you know could be a guy that you know, you bring in as a as a depth option in midfield. You know, there's so many guys, you know, we're not maybe able to see consistently with the national team. But I thought he's really handled himself well uh, over in Scotland ever since he moved from D.C. United. Um, but unfortunately, he's hurt. So, yeah. So those those would be just a couple guys. Um, you know, trustees probably no lock uh, in that roster as well. But I think he's definitely deserving. And he, he's had a great loan spell. And um, you know, if Birmingham City is able to get him uh, on a permanent move, I think that'd be a, a great addition for the club. But that's, again, maybe Arsenal has big plans for Austin in the future. Speaking, so thinking about people in Scotland, it sounds like he's also going to see CCV and he's going to see Tillman and Sands. Are you calling in all three of those? I mean, they're vastly different players and I think vastly different prospects all of whom have been called in and of course CCV being on the world cup roster, but are for you are all three going to be in the March roster? If I was able to bring in CCV and Tillman, uh, I would definitely bring both of them. Um, Sands is a different one because obviously, you know, um, playing for Rangers, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to stay obviously in that title race with Celtic, you know, Celtic, uh, you know, got a good lead on them right now. So, um, so Sands, you know, did play over the weekend, um, obviously played a part in the winning goal in, or in the weekend uh, in, in the cup match. Um, and, and obviously Tillman had a, a controversial goal uh, of, of his own. But, uh, yeah. but but I think that Tillman, obviously you see with him and, uh, you know, just his creativity is his, you know, kind of his never say die attitude in the, you know, in that attacking half with the ball. Um, trying to make things happen uh, you know he, he can play a, kind of a number of different roles I would say my main position is like a 10 between them lines but I can also play as a winger as a striker so I don't really care where I play um, I will play there where the coach tells me to play in my in my mind I'm more than a yeah, more than a tendon as a striker. I would say my strength uh, or is my my vision. And as a striker, you don't really you don't really need that in your game because the goal is almost all the time in in the back of your of your body. So I, I like to um, attack the uh, like attack the goal. Uh, and I think he's had a great, obviously, loan spell from Bayern. You know whether Rangers can can get that deal done and maybe bring him in on a permanent deal. I think it'd be a great move for him because obviously the fans really seem to to enjoy him there. Um, you know he's closing in, I think, on ten goals for the whole season um, in all competitions, which is which is an awesome kind of uh, you know reward for him because he he's worked hard. Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba is like my favorite player. Um, I really like his style of play, so I appreciate I appreciate them. I appreciate them people who say I play like him, because I really like how Paul Pogba plays. So, uh, CCV, you know, you can't say nothing about uh, him. He's had a, a great season. I, I think he has to be in the conversation for the uh, for the, the Premiership team of the year. I mean, Celtics first place. Um, obviously, defensively, you know, not many teams are gonna are going to break Celtic down, but CCV is just, you know, um, you know, I have a, a close friend of mine who who's from Glasgow, who's a diehard Celtic fan. And, and he, he love, absolutely loves this, love the signing of him. Um, and, and I think he, he definitely is, is, you know, every week it's like, you look, just look at his stats and he's just, he's winning his, his duels. He's, you know, he's got like 150 passes, passing attempts every game. Like he, he's just, you can see what confidence does to a player who, you know, obviously didn't really have much of a, a, 
um, you know, a consistent chance at Tottenham, but, you know, was loaned out repeatedly, repeatedly. And now, you know, that confidence is sky high because he's playing regularly. He's a big part of the team. You know, they're, they're uh, you know, going in for the league title. They're going in for the, the league cup and the uh, the uh, FA Cup as well. So I think those two definitely should be in the March window. Sands is tough because he hasn't played all that much in 2023 and at least over the last few months. I think this was past weekend was his first start since November. So it's a, it's a long gap for him, but I think he could still turn things around. And whether that's at Rangers or whether that's back at NYCFC, if, if they bring him back early from that to the loan spell. Yeah, Sands, I mean, I, I'm with you on that read on things. And from what I remember from, from visiting these these teams and being in Glasgow is, you know, Tillman and CCV are beloved by both fan bases. I mean, you ask Rangers fans about Tillman, they're singing his praises. Likewise, CCV. Sands is getting a he. I think he has struggled in the minutes he got, and that's contributed to his diminished minutes recently. The people I spoke to, the Rangers fans I spoke to, were very hard on him. Also, media people who I talked to. So I was thrilled to see him get that goal, and because I think he he struggled a bit. In regard to CCV, is he uh is he better than Virgil Van Dyke and? I mean, everyone I've spoken to seems to think he's going to be leaving Celtic this summer. Is he Premier League bound? Where do you see him going? That's tough. Uh, and that, that actually, uh, it's nice of you to bring that up because I'll have to uh, start picking, you know, picking for some answers on that um, with CCV <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I was, um, you know, was pretty close with his agent, um, you know, when he made that loan uh, originally to Celtic. Um Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and even then, right, it was like everyone knew kind of the talent CCV had. He just wasn't able to obviously get into the Spurs team, and, and, and that's that's going to be tough when you, you know, when he was there, you had two Belgian internationals in front of you in, in Aldevereld and, and Vertagen, um, and then you had Eric Dyer as well, the England international. But, yeah, um, yeah, I, I think that CCV obviously has got a, had a great season. You know, confidence is sky high. Uh, I, I don't know – it, it it may be early, obviously, to compare him to Virgil Van Dyke. Obviously, Van Dyke was a was a. Club I didn't start that. So that 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 quote didn't originate from me. No, I know, I know. <laughs> um, no, but obviously, Van Dyke, you know, he's one of the best defenders in the world. Um, you know, obviously, trying to get back to maybe full fitness with Liverpool, and and he was a club legend at Celtic. But uh, but I think Carter Vickers definitely can can reach another level in terms of obviously. Comp- you know, the competitive, uh, competitive league. And that's no knock to the, the Scottish premiership, but this is a great first step for him. You know, maybe he stays uh, another season, maybe maybe something next January comes into the mix. You know, last time I talked with, with his agent, you know, he was very happy at Celtic in Glasgow, you know, obviously loves being part of a title race and, and uh, you know, being up for, um, you know, obviously they got the League Cup coming up against Rangers, which is going to be a big one. They they still have the FA Cup. They're I think what nine points clear of Rangers in the league. You know, he, he could definitely win the treble this season there, which would be obviously a uh, uh, you know great accomplishment for him uh, in a in his first real starting role as a permanent player. You know, not just on loan when he was in the past, but definitely I think a lot of Premier League teams could use a guy like CCV. I remember when. You know, when I first kind of talked with his agent, when, when Celtic first kind of was in the mix with him, there were so many teams linked with him, whether it was uh, Newcastle and, and Bournemouth and, um, you know, so many teams, uh, Leicester City at one point, Crystal Palace at one point. So there's that with, with his continued performances, that list is just going to grow. But I think for him, you know, as much as you want to get to the Premier League as a player or whatever league, top league you want to get into, you know, I think it'd be beneficial for him long-term, you know, if he, he stays another season, works on his game, gets even better uh, as a consistent player. Uh, and then he can make that move. And then by then you don't know who, you know, who could be calling your name. Maybe it is Liverpool. Maybe they want to, maybe they want to pair him with Van Dyke down the road, but there you uh, go. That, that'd be an awesome story. For me, I just kind of just want to be somewhere playing football. I'm happy. Uh, last season, at Celtic, I, was, I really enjoyed my time there and, you know, I think as a team we've done great. Um, but what will happen in the future, I'm, I'm not too sure yet. Oh, you never know. Uh, you never know. Like I said, you know, my kind of goal is just to kind of enjoy my football and, and be playing in a team where where um, I get on with the manager, I get on with the players, and um, and yeah. 
you know, I think that is, that's something that I definitely want now. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm 24 now, I'm getting a bit older, not just from a uh, purely football side, but just from kind of my life, you know what I mean? I want to be somewhere where I am settled. I know I'm going to be there for two, three, four years, you know, somewhere I can kind of start making a life for myself. So, yeah. But he's had a great season. I can't say enough about him. And, uh, you know, hopefully he's able to, to bring home a treble because I know Celtic fans, uh, you know, love when they do the treble over Rangers. Thinking about the other people Anthony Hudson is going to visit and reading way too much into it on my part, I actually think it might be – I think it could be his man, his assistant and not Anthony Hudson. But one of the two is going to see Zach Steffen play with Middlesbrough. Do you think we're going to see Zach return in March? And if you are, Zach, how injured do you feel being left off that World Cup roster? And do you accept that call-up? Uh, it's it's tough because, yeah, I think it's – uh, I think Zach Steffen obviously needed playing time and, and you know, was able to get that with Middlesbrough. And, and Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough has had a, a real, really strong last few months now under Michael Carrick where they've kind of – you know, uh, propelled themselves basically out of the bottom, like six or seven into, into the, you know, promotion race. I think they're third now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and that, and that promotion race is no joke. It's like, it's uh, incredible. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like six, you know, five or six points separate 10 teams. Um, I mean, talk about a redemption story for, for not just Middlesbrough, but for Zach Steffen that from not getting called in to being on a team flirting with the bottom end of, of the championship to being maybe the goalkeeper, bringing a team to promotion. I, I would love to see it personally. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be a great story for him if, if Middlesbrough were able to obviously get into the playoffs and, and make something happen. Obviously getting in the top two right now is tough because Burnley and Sheffield United are just blowing everybody away. Yeah. But, but he's, he obviously, you know, Stefan, you know, has had some mistakes. Um, he had another mistake kind of recently um and the, the weekend win against Cardiff but yeah but but they're still you know they're still winning it's not like you know he's making the mistake and they lose 2-1 or they lose one nothing you know it, it he made a mistake but I think he's overall done a pretty decent job with them of just kind of maybe just getting his head focused on playing again and being a consistent goalkeeper and you know he has seven clean sheets and in, in 27 games which in the championship, I feel is a decent return in a, in a, in a crazy league like that, where you're going to see some of the teams in the relegation zone, you know, trouble some of the teams at the top uh, on a weekly basis. And you're playing, you know, uh, two games a week. Can you describe the mistake that he made? Was it characteristic of, of previous issues with him and, you know, keep, keeping tabs on him? Have you seen him evolve and in, improve? Yeah, he's definitely improved for sure. Um, you know, he's he's still obviously I think kind of like that, you know, um, you know, we first saw that in, like with Man City, you know, playing out of the back and trying to work themselves out of the back. We've seen it at times with the national team, but he I give him credit sometimes for you know, for trying things cuz as a goalie, right? You want to, you know, kind of that's maybe the modern day game. You want you want to play out of the back, you want to have your goalie goalie confident with the ball at his feet making passes I mean I know they're not all going to be Ederson kicking 80 yard (laughs) passes down the field right on Holland's foot but but uh but overall he's trying things it it was the error this weekend you know is just again kind of out of the back and um maybe just kind of a little bit sloppy with the pass that uh for one of his teammates and, and Cardiff ended up scoring on it but but overall I think you know he's trying things and and at least i'm okay with that at least if you're going to try rather than not do it at all and just kind of lump the ball uh, upfield yes you have to do that at times but overall you want to see him confident i think overall he's had a pretty confident run of late with them during this winning streak because i remember when he first got to middlesbrough he had maybe a couple kind of hiccups in the early going you know had some uh, I think he was even had maybe missed because of a knock or something like that, you know, missed a game or so, but then came right back in and, and obviously, you know, competing for that number one shirt. And I know Chris Wilder was the manager then. Now Michael mm-hmm. Carrick is Michael Carrick's done a great job. And, and I'm sure that helps, right? Because how many players can get to say they've played, they they're coached by a guy um, like Michael Carrick, who, you know, played with Manchester United, you know, got to play tons of games for them, win a bunch of trophies, obviously great pedigree there. And I think that's only going to help him when you have a, 
uh, a guy like that, you know, behind you. Uh, and, and Carrick's been positive, you know, in the in the post match, you know, audio that I've been able to hear uh, when asked about Stefan. You know, that he's not going to, you know, uh, badger him over a mistake. You know, he's there for him. He, he's confident in him. And uh, overall, I think the more more Middlesbrough win uh, during the, this winter period uh i think he's just gonna add even more confidence and uh and who knows what's what's next for zach stefan on the club level if they get promoted you know right now i mean nobody's gonna take kick ederson out of the number one spot at man city and but we've also seen same thing with ethan horvath right you know getting loaned to the championship and he's had a really good uh loan spell and they're right behind middlesbrough in the in the top six so yeah um so i i would i would bring stefan in 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 march because um, again, you want to get this guy maybe reacclimated to the team. I think confidence-wise, it'll do him great confidence to have him there in these games. Uh, obviously, he you know played a part in the last Nations League, and uh, you know you'd want him there for this one. Are you bringing Geo in? I think Anthony Hudson actually. So I think Anthony Hudson met with Christian Pulisic yesterday. His next stop is Dortmund. He's he's going to the UCL match Wednesday. But yeah, are you is Geo a no brainer for you? I've seen some people say that you know give him some time away. No, I think I think Geo should be there. Um, you know, I think obviously all the kind of off the field issues. You know, we we've all been able to digest everything that uh, that happened that was in the news. Obviously, you know what happened at the World Cup, and, and you, I mean you were there firsthand to see it. And uh, yeah, I think. You know, Geo's maybe, you know, in a better place now than when he was, you know, four or five months ago. Um, you know, he's he's back playing. He's back healthy, you know, sc- scored in consecutive games. You know, I know fans are probably maybe a little frustrated that he's not starting. Yes, he did have his first start uh, over the weekend. Um, and I think it was the German Cup match. He only played like maybe like a minute off the bench. But uh, I, I think you, you definitely want to bring him in because I think you want to show, obviously show Gio Reyna that he's still a big part of the, the U.S. national team. He's got a bright future. I think, you know, you, you want to have him there. You know, they're, they're, uh, I know it's it's not the, the toughest opponents they're playing in the Nations League, but you, you still want to win that competition. And uh, I think, you know, um, for him, right, to keep him going fitness-wise, to get him some more minutes, um, get him, you know, reacclimated with, with his teammates is, is huge. And um, uh, knock on wood, everything goes well on Wednesday uh, with, with Dortmund-Chelsea. Maybe we'll see a, a Giorena goal or something. Um <laughs> hopefully a healthy performance and uh but yeah i think he's yeah definitely you want to bring him back i think the longer you keep him out of the team is that's when you're going to start hearing you know the fans kind of grumbling even more okay why isn't he there why isn't he there and yeah you know and and you know he wants to be there i think he want he has a point to prove yeah for sure i'm excited just to see that match chelsea dortmund i mean dortmund is in incredible form i think they haven't lost their last eight matches and Chelsea seems to still be struggling despite all of the signings so I'm intrigued to see that matchup my last question for you Larry is related somewhat I guess to Gio because it has to do with Greg and the overall USM and team manager situation I guess it it could be two last questions because the first part of it is would you or would you have brought Greg back barring the situation that happened with Gio yeah, I would. Um, I I don't see. I mean, I I guess I understand from the fan perspective why fans might not want Greg Berhalter back for, you know, just for a coaching aspect. They want to change twenty twenty six World Cup in in your own backyard. You know, Greg Berhalter might not be the guy to take you that next level. Uh, I, I think Greg Berhalter, you know, did a good job at, in Qatar. Uh, I think getting this team obviously back at a world cup was huge um, kind of through a, a tough CONCACAF qualifying uh, stretch with Canada and Mexico and, and obviously some, some tough away games in, in other places. But uh, I think Greg did a, a really good job in Qatar. Um, you know, obviously the, the arena situation, um, you know, kind of, seemed to take the, the limelight out of everything compared to what they did on the field. But uh, but overall, I, I thought he did a great job. Uh, I think that Greg still has a future with the national team. Um, now, whether U.S. soccer 
thinks that, you know, that that's another story because obviously investigation's still going on. But um, I, I would like to see Greg get another shot at it. Uh, I, I just think that, um, you know, there's still obviously work that can be done and, and all. But I think that if you bring a new coach in, you know, obviously it, it's kind of, you know, again, it's starting fresh. So then you got to get everyone kind of, you know, on, on what the new coach wants. And we don't know what coach that's going to be, whether that's going to be Jose Mourinho, which I, I don't know yeah. if that's going to happen. or, But, uh, you know, whoever it is, whether it's Jose Mourinho, whether it's a European guy or, or American coach, but I, I would like to see Greg get another shot. I think he, he deserves that um, because of what he, you know, they, they, they played well in Qatar. Uh, they didn't go and dominate anybody, but, um, you know, but the England performance, I thought they, they did really well. Obviously that game, you know, you were there for that. You were there for all of them. And, uh, you know, I, I thought they could have got more from the World Cup. You know, uh, the Netherlands games, it really comes down to a couple mental breakdowns in the back and, and defensive, uh, you know, miscues. But overall, I thought they, they did well to represent the country in, in their first World Cup back. And I think that Greg will – you know, obviously, you know, look to take that next step with this team because he's got, he's got that familiarity with a lot of them. You know, yes, there could be some new faces kind of in the squad on a on a consistent uh, note down the road, but keeping that familiarity at this period, you know, that kind of that period right now, you know, in between World Cups, you know, you still have the Nations League, you're gonna have the Gold Cup and all. Um, I, I still think that you know Greg could get this team maybe to a. Uh, another level. And I think some of the, the, uh, you know, a lot of the players will definitely rise up for Greg. Yeah. I, no, I think we got some clarity, you know, we we talked about it today with the group and, um, with the coaching group and, you know, I think things became pretty clear. What became clear to you? Things. Larry, where can people find your work? Is there anything you would like to promote? Is there anything you're working on right now? Uh, yeah, you can find me at SBI Soccer. Um, you know, still doing good things there. Um, staying busy. Obviously, MLS, MLS right around the corner, two weeks. So, um, you know, trying to get a lot of stuff done for that. Um, still, uh, you know, obviously doing a lot there. And then MLS Next Pro, um, still contributing there as well. That season, obviously, a little bit down the road, you know, in March. But um, great things there as well. Obviously, a lot of young American talent that hopefully we'll be uh, we'll be talking about on this show uh, in the next year, maybe coming through the ranks of next pro and uh, you know, within the youth national teams. Uh, And then you can find me on Twitter, L Henry zero one nine. So always, always down to have some conversations about, uh, about anything really. Larry, it has been a pleasure. Uh, I look forward to tracking all this stuff with you and, yeah, hopefully having you back on to, to talk more about this in the in the coming year. Yeah, thanks a lot, Meg. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed that episode, head to swandive.substack.com and make sure you are subscribed to get content like this in your inbox. Leave a comment, let me know what you think, make a request for future episodes, and before you leave, make sure you listen all the way to the end for this last recording taken at Celtic Park in September when Celtic defeated Rangers in the first slow of the season. Enjoy. Um.